This is Catholic Daily Brief. Episode 31, A Catholic Defense of Columbus. Today, as we all know, it's Columbus Day, an infamous day in the mind of your typical American. The legacy of Columbus has been seen in recent decades as one of conquest and evil and oppression and racism, all that stuff usually associated with white Western man in history as it's presented today. This episode's not intended to canonize Columbus, but to give uh, an authentic portrayal of who he was. And we'll do that by exploring who Columbus was as a man, what his mission actually was, what the intention of his mission was, what Columbus himself did as opposed to what those who came after him did, and what the native peoples were actually like. Now, it should be understood that, first of all, history in general, as it's taught today, always has the inclination to consider what happened in the past bad. So in order to understand Columbus and understand this history, you first need to get over that obstacle. Because no matter what, history is always going to paint what happened in the past bad. So when reading history today, that's something you always need to take into account. The role of historians, as they see it themselves, is to always consider, almost always consider what happened in the past as bad, as ignorant, and what happens now as good and liberating and enlightened. So the historical perspective of your modern historian is usually one inspired by arrogance and a recency bias, you know, thinking that you know better than someone did in the past, even though you live very remote from their situation. You just, it's in the past, therefore it is not as good as today. Or judging the past based on modern moral and social norms is not a valid way of studying history. To say, this is what we believe now, Therefore, I'm going to impose this viewpoint on the past, and they didn't live up to it, therefore they're evil. It's not how things work. And you better beware of using that, because people in the future, using that same lens of history, will judge you harshly as well. We can even see it just from 10 years ago. What someone would have said and considered normal is now considered evil and bigoted. So consider how much that thinking informs the judgment of Columbus and his actions. Even beyond this general recency bias of current understanding of the world is better than old understanding of the world is the general tendency of historians to hate the West and to hate what Western civilization is. This is tied up with a general dislike for Christianity in general and the church in particular and the role that the church had in building Western civilization. So whenever you're dealing with a modern historian's take on past events, especially past events that are tied up with evangelization or spreading the Christian gospel to other lands, you're going to have an unfavorable take no matter who the person is. So that's something to keep in mind when hearing what people say about Columbus. So with all of that in mind, who was Columbus? Well, as every human being in history, he was good and bad, like all of us. He had his faults and his sins, and there were ways he could have acted that would have prevented subsequent sins and atrocities by those who came after him. But to keep in mind why he was celebrated so much until recent history, it's because while you might quibble that he didn't actually discover the Americas, and in fact, 
if you want to take that route, no one ever discovers for the first time any piece of land. But he brought Western civilization to the Americas. And this is where our judgment differs from the judgment of modern historians, that bringing Western civilization, primarily inspired by Christianity and the culture that rose up because of Christianity, is a good thing. And Western Christian culture is better, objectively speaking, than the culture that reigned in the various tribes present already on the landmass that is North America. Now, saying something like that is forbidden nowadays, but it's true. The only way it's false is if you have an ideological problem with Christianity in general and Western values. You don't discount the value of bringing Christian culture to a people that oftentimes very violent and primitive just by saying that there are Christians who also were violent. Are the treasures of the Western tradition, such as belief in freedom and the dignity of the human person that all are created in God's image, equality under the law, the sanctity of human life, in addition to all the arts and the culture that rose up in Western Europe all throughout the Middle Ages, is that preferable to constant tribal violence, human sacrifice, no discernible legal tradition, this image of a peaceful, united people that Columbus came in and raped and pillaged and killed is a fantasy. It's a fiction. We talk about Columbus Day now as Indigenous Peoples Day, but which Indigenous peoples are we talking about? There were countless tribes at war with each other. To quote from an article, which Indigenous people do you have in mind? Is it the Kalinago people, who ate roasted human flesh, with a particular affinity for the remains of babies? Is it the Aztecs who killed an estimated 84,000 people in four days in their consecration of the Great Pyramid of Tenochtitlan? So this is what the clash of the two cultures was. It wasn't a colonizing, aggressive, power-hungry West against a peace-loving, united, indigenous people. It was the clash of the Christian West versus a chaotic, violent, tribal, indigenous array of cultures. Now, of course, we need to be careful there, too. Were all the indigenous people like this? No but you're dealing with a patchwork of various people, many of whom were lawless and violent and lacked even the slightest compassion towards their fellow people when it came to appeasing pagan gods, for example. It's a clash, in a sense, of religions. The West, which brings the peace of Christ, and a paganism which, in many instances, required the sacrifice of hundreds, if not thousands, of innocent human beings. So when you had the actual violence and even enslavement of the indigenous people by the Christian West, that is very obviously a departure from what Christianity is, and they ought to be held, and probably have been held, accountable by God for their actions and their crimes. But when you try to paint a picture of a peace-loving indigenous people, violence was in the very fabric of life there at the time. Again, of necessity, because you didn't have one united indigenous people, but various tribes which were often at war and conquering and colonizing each other. So this is the big distinction. Yes, there were crimes and sins that were awful committed by the West, even some by Christopher Columbus himself, and we'll go into that here in a second. But that is a failure of them to live up to what the Christian faith is. So to use their actions as a way to say that Christian evangelization is bad and bringing Western Christian civilization to these other lands is bad isn't a valid move. You have to weigh these personal sins, which are present in every age by every people, against the benefits, the net benefits brought by Christian civilization. What allowed 
the country, the nation that we have now to be formed over time based on these principles of human dignity, freedom, equality under the law, etc. These values and moral goods don't develop out of nothing. They don't just develop over time. You have people that present for thousands of years in various places and didn't have these values until the gospel was brought to them. But because people are contrarian now and like to paint the past of the various indigenous peoples as nice and rosy and peaceful, it's easy for them to say, well, it would have been better if we just left them alone. You know, they were united with nature and they were living a peaceful, agrarian, idyllic life. It would have been better if we had just left them alone. But that's not the reality of life before the gospel came. What we tend to do is we tend to imagine that these people already had these what we call Western values of freedom and equality and all of that, when in fact what we're doing is imagining a westernized society without admitting that we're imagining a westernized society. So what exactly did Columbus intend to do when he set off on his voyage? Well, most people know that one of his principal objectives was to find a westward route to India to enable trade without the perilous journey around uh, the Cape of Southern Africa. But also he did have an intention to evangelize. And this is something that is criticized by those who, both Christian and non-Christian, both believers and non-believers, think that evangelization is bad, even though it's very obviously what Christ commanded us to do. If you really believe the gospel is important and life-giving and necessary for salvation, of course evangelization is the most charitable thing you can do. We tend to think live and let live is the most charitable thing you can do, but it's not. It shows a lack of love for your fellow human being. If you have an actual conviction that baptism and belief in Christ is necessary for salvation, that spurs you on to do pretty amazing things. The courage of the various missionary orders is astounding. But consider the courage that Columbus had to have to sail into unknown parts of the world. Absolutely, he had the intention that if he encountered people that didn't know Christ, he would try and bring the gospel to them. Did he do it perfectly or even well? You can definitely debate that. But his intention was clear. Even one of the biggest critics of Columbus and the things that happened after and even on his watch, Bartolomeu de las Casas, he said that he did not doubt Columbus's good intentions because he knew him very well. He was a contemporary of Columbus. He said that he was ignorant of how to apply the law of Christ to these people. And also he was pressured into doing things that he should not have done, but that he had a good intention. And if you're familiar with De Las Casas, he is very unforgiving in his history of what happened in the time of Columbus and his successors. To give one example of how tainted Columbus's legacy was, when he left to return to Spain, he left his brother in charge of Hispaniola, which is the island that's comprised of Haiti and the Dominican Republic now. There was a man named Roldan who kicked Columbus's brother out of power and when Columbus returned, this guy had governance of Hispaniola and more or less pressured or forced Columbus into using uh, slave labor. After Roldan, he was succeeded by a man named Francisco de Bobadilla, and he was one of the biggest adversaries of Columbus, and his were the allegations that first uh, came out about Columbus, and they were not founded on anything, but they make up the source material for most of the smears against Columbus today. It would be like taking uh, a modern-day politician's allegations, the most extreme allegations, as, as solid history without even consulting anything else. 
But again, Columbus is at fault. You can't use pressure or anything like that or leverage as an excuse to allow slave labor or exploitation of peoples. But the point is that's not the whole story. He encouraged merciful and kind treatment of the native people, even if he didn't always live up to that and often failed in that. And those under his charge often failed in that. So it's not to whitewash him, but it's to give proper context to all of this. What his intentions were, we went over that. What were the judgment of some of his contemporaries, even as one of the harshest critics, like I said, De Las Casas, said he was a well-intentioned man. He didn't have any perverse idea of gain or power or anything like that. And also the reality of the situation that he entered. History is much more complex, and the actions of people in history are much more complex than history often accounts for. Consider the words of Columbus himself. He says, Quote, Let those who are fond of blaming and finding fault while they sit safely at home ask, Why did you not do thus and so? I wish they were on this voyage. I well believe that another voyage of a different kind awaits them. So basically, Columbus is saying, It's really easy to judge, both in retrospect and from a distance, and say, Well, if I were there, I would have done this or I would have done that. But none of us can really say that, because not many people actually embarked on a courageous journey which was motivated in part by a desire to spread the gospel. So is Columbus a saint? Absolutely not. Did he do great things? Absolutely. Do we all, every single one of us, benefit from the legacy that he started here in the Americas? 100%. So just to summarize, much of the history of Columbus is told by those who, first of all, base their historical judgments on faulty data, second, have an ideological bent against everything that happened before the modern era, and everything that happened as a result of Christian culture and civilization. Stripping away all of that, we're left with the image of a man who was courageous, if flawed, who probably regretted the way he went about many things, but also was very, and rightly, proud of having brought the gospel of Christ for the first time to a place that was darkened by ignorance of God and his gospel. For that, we ought to praise the legacy of Columbus in as much as God is now known through all of the parts of this world. And of course, we gave the last word to the great historian, Tony Soprano. He was a brave Italian explorer, and in this house, Christopher Columbus is a hero. End of story. Thank you for listening to Catholic Daily Brief. Please become a member at patreon.com slash catholicdailybrief. Follow on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And please give a five-star rating and a good review. God bless.